0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to our study again this week on the book of Romans. And we are studying this week, again, this is the third third segment, I'm sorry, the third segment we have done on Romans, the 10th chapter. And we are looking at uh, the righteousness which is by faith. Now, I'm going to just jump right back in here because I've got a lot of ground to cover. But let me say quickly that if you've missed any of these and you would like to go back and review what we've taught on the Book of Romans, this is literally a college course and may be used at some time in the future for colleges. But these are such in-depth studies that I encourage you to go watch them again on our YouTube channel or on our podcast or the RSS feed for your Android, because I believe they are life-changing concepts that will be a blessing to you. And you can do that simply by going to my website, and there is a link that will take you directly to our YouTube channel, to our uh, podcast, and to the RSS feed for the audio portions of the Android. And I, I encourage you, if you'd like to use these, even like in a Wednesday night Bible study, where you can listen to them and then have conversation about them, that it would be a good thing for you to take these and and do a study with them. All right, we're going to go back into the book of Romans uh, today. The ninth chapter is the setup for the tenth chapter. It starts with verse 32 by saying this. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled on the stone, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion stumbling stone, in the rock of offense. And whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. Jesus, I think, quotes that scripture later. He is the stone that the builders rejected, but He became the head of the corner. And they did exactly what Paul said in Romans. They are what uh, you know. The scripture says they stumbled at the stone and they missed their opportunity to enter into their promised land. And then he starts out by Paul, who is a Jew or an Israelite. He's saying, Brethren, my heart's desire, this is chapter 10, verse 1, and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's such a powerful, powerful concept of truth. is so liberating to realize that everything the law required was fully met in Christ so that if we are trying to establish our own righteousness and find favor and love from God by keeping the law of Moses, we are as in error as Israel was because they were out of zeal for God. I, you know, I look it back even in the days when I was raised in legalism. We did it because we thought it was what God wanted and we thought that's how we were going to please God, was somehow we're going to earn His his favor, we're going to earn His righteousness, and it's almost like a, you know, a a transaction deal. But when we realize in the New Covenant, we have got to get this settled in our hearts, that in the New Covenant, righteousness is not based on works. Righteousness, according to the book of Romans, is a free gift because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness we can reign in life by one christ jesus because he was the end of the law and so paul is saying i really pray and desire for my own countrymen and for about and we're going to see this easy even as we come into chapter 11 what most people do, even with Chapter 11 of Romans, which is talking about the true vine and the branches being grafted in and some being cast out, is they try to set this as an exclusion from the rest of the other 10 chapters that are the setup for this, where Paul is saying he's not a Jew, which is one outwardly, Chapter 2, but he's one who is one inwardly, whose circumcision is in the heart. And then he comes in here uh, in chapter 9 and says, you know, they've tried to do this on the basis of their works, but they've not uh, accomplished it, and they've they've missed the point because they've stumbled at the stone, and the stone was Christ. He's the end of the law for righteousness. So he's really talking about when all Israel is being saved in Romans 11, he's talking about there's only one way to be saved, and that is to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then you will be saved. So that's what Paul was desiring for his countrymen here, is that they would not try to have a righteousness that's established and based on their own righteousness, which is like filthy rags, but a righteousness which is by the faith of Jesus Christ. And then what I did, and I'm going to pick this up again this week because I really want to delve into this a lot deeper uh, in this segment. said, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. Now Moses writes this in Deuteronomy, we're going to read it in just a few moments, in chapter 10, and he also writes about it in chapter 30. So we're going to see this in just a moment. But Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that a man who does them these things shall live by them. But the righteousness that's of faith speaks on this wise. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man, for what the heart one believes under righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made under salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all called on his name. So he's concluding both Jew and Gentile that this salvation by faith is available not just to Uh, people who keep the law or the insiders, as it were, in Romans, the Jews only, but both Jew and Gentile, that the only qualification for salvation is that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. Uh, If you're sitting there today and you say, well, man, I can believe that. I can believe, I believe in my heart God raised Him from the dead. If you're willing to confess that with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, then you just got saved. We make a whole lot of rituals out of it, and I believe that, that water baptism, of course, is a entrance into, it's like the token of the covenant, like circumcision was in the old covenant. It is the seal that says, I'm part of the covenant family of God. I've been born of the water and of the Spirit. So uh, as we go into those those things and do them, but, but but the first thing has to happen is something has to happen in the heart. And then he goes on to say, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they've not heard? Or how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report... So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say that they have not heard, yet indeed, yes, indeed. He said, but but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? For Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation." and I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of those who did not seek me. He's talking about the Gentiles here. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Now let me come back up here again and reiterate a few things that I want to say. He says, for Moses, this is verse 5, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law that the man who does those things shall live, them, live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise. Do not say in your heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring down Christ from above, or, or who will descend into the abyss That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now what I want you to see is that we don't realize is that Paul is actually quoting a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 30. And he is quoting this from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. And let's compare these two. I think it's incredible when you compare these two verses. Paul, once again, is quoting Deuteronomy 30 when he says, this is Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment which I command you this day, it is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. For this commandment which I command you this day, it is not in he- it is neither far off neither is it in heaven that you would say who will go up for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it now what did paul say in romans 10 he said for who has in romans 10 he, he he replaces the commandment with christ because christ is the end of the law let me read it again to you from from romans the 10th chapter he says uh but who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Deuteronomy 30, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring the commandment down. And Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says this, it says, uh, neither is it beyond the sea that you would say, who go over the sea? The word sea here is also translated abyss. When they came up out of the Red Sea, they, they, you could actually, this, this word uh, in the Hebrew is the same word that's translated in the book of Romans. The sea here is talking about the abyss. Who will descend into the sea? And it's going to get important here in just for a moment, because we're going to see some stuff that I think are powerful keys. Uh, who will go over the sea for us, that, that is to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Once again, he's saying who will go over the sea, or who will go into the abyss, to get the words of this law, and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. In Romans 10 he said, but who, Christ, who will go down, but Christ has descended. Let me read it because I want to get it exactly right here. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring up, bring down Christ from above. Or who shall ascend, I'm sorry, Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. That's the first part of Deuteronomy. Who will ascend into heaven to bring the words of this law down, that we may hear it and do it. But in Romans 10, he's replacing the words of the law with Christ because Christ is the end of the law. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. In Deuteronomy, it said who will go across the sea or the abyss to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But in Romans 10, it says, who will descend into the deep? So he's talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus was the fulfillment of everything that the law could require so that we could have what Deuteronomy promised us, the days of heaven on earth, not on the basis of the commandment, or trying to establish your righteousness on the basis of how good you are, but on the power of the resurrected Christ, because He did not just ascend, but He also descended, and because He was delivered for our offenses, He was raised for our justification. Now my righteousness puts me in a position to be able to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that we can reign in life by one Christ Jesus, so that when I seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, then all these other things are added to me. In other words, all of this is predicated in the new covenant, not on the basis of how good you are, but on the basis of how good he is, and it takes the focus off of me, puts it on him, just like Abraham, by faith, took the focus off of what he was offering to God, and saw what God offered in a ram caught in the thicket, and heard God say, Abraham, Abraham, I'm not like heathen gods. I don't want you to kill your son. I'm going to offer myself up for your offenses. This is not about your performance. This is not about your doing. This is simply about you believing me, and by faith, receiving by faith, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. How incredibly good news is that, is that man, they did not seek it. They had the zeal, but they missed it because they stumbled at the stone of offense and the rock of offense, and they did not receive it. And he went on to say that they, because they were trying to receive it on the basis of their own performance, did not receive it. And then he goes on to say in the latter part of this, he goes on to say Israel rejects the gospel because they did not believe on him whom he was sent. And he said, but they've not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I say, and let me just say this See, faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of God. But if you put this in your inner linear uh, uh, computer and the drop down box where the word uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God is the Greek word Christos. It's not God uh, 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 Theo, nor is it God, uh, you know, Jehovah. He said, faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes from the word about Christos or Christ. So when we preach Christ and Him crucified, no wonder Paul would say, I profess to know nothing among you but Christ and Him crucified, is because that's the that gives us the threshold or the place to be able to believe by faith that God's favor is upon me and that I can reign in life by one Christ Jesus and that the kingdom of God is in operation inside of me now and God Himself has taken up abode within me and now the life that I'll outlive, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's the kind of confession that I want to make. But he goes on to say here, they didn't obey the gospel, and so Isaiah prophesied and says, you know, I'm going to provoke you to jealousy by a nation. I'm going to uh, move you to anger by a foolish nation. He's talking about the inclusion of the Gentiles because they were about to miss their promise. But Isaiah was very bold to say, I was found of them who did not seek me, and I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he said, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious nation. Now what I want to also point out to you here is that in Romans, the 10th chapter, he said, who will descend into the abyss? And Deuteronomy, it says, who will go across the sea? When I started to think about this word here in uh, the Greek, I started started to think about this word, and I started running it all the way through the Scripture, and I found the word abyss also in the book of Revelation. And I found in uh, the book of Revelation, it says that I saw an angel come down. This is Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, have the key to the abyss, and uh, holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed it over him, to keep him from deceiving the nations any more till the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free for a short time. Now let me just stop here for a moment and say to you, a lot of theological stuff could go into this. I have a whole playlist on the book of Revelation on my YouTube channel, so you can go back and look at this. But when I started to look at this uh, great chain in the book of Revelation, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He also says in Colossians, let me read this, I have it in my notes, but in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse number 14 and 15, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, over, triumphing over them in it. Uh, and the scripture talks about, you know, that, that, uh, that he says in another place he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now that's not something he's going to do. That's something he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. He destroyed him that has the power of death, that is the devil, because his resurrection trumped the fact that death no longer had the final word. So what I want to say to you is that when you read Revelation 20, it doesn't mean that the devil doesn't operate at all. It simply tells us that he's been greatly hampered and hindered from deceiving the nations because the weapon, that is his favorite weapon called condemnation has now been taken from him, and we ought to be able to keep the devil bound, because when Jesus descended into the abyss, and came back up from the dead with the power of a resurrected life, it is through his death, burial, and resurrection, and the truth of that revelation, that Satan was bound, and principalities and powers were triumphed, and made a public skeptical of. And if you read that in context, it says in Colossians 2, he says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, but Satan's devices are the power of condemnation because he goes on to say that the weapon he takes from him was the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. And so the handwriting of ordinance that was against us was the law. And so he took the weapon out of the enemy's hand of condemnation. I wonder sometimes who these guys work for who get back in the pulpit every week and put the weapon right back into the devil's hands and says, okay, here's the law. Go use it against the saints to condemn them. I've got some good news for you. Isaiah also prophesied about this, and he said, no weapon formed against you can prosper. And any tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you are condemnation. You will utterly condemn because your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord of hosts. And so what he's saying here is that the weapon can no longer be formed against you because the weapon of the enemy was the law. Jesus fulfilled the law, took it down into the abyss, rose from the dead to give us a righteousness by faith. That greatly hinders the work of Satan, and we need to keep him bound. All authority is given to him in heaven and in earth, and we have the power to bind on earth what's already been bound in heaven, and to enforce the victory that's already been won in Christ. I also saw that uh, in Revelation chapters number 9, verse 1 and 2, uh, and verse 11, also in Revelation 11, verse 7, and Revelation 17, verse 8, it was the Roman armies that were coming up out of the sea to attack Israel in fulfillment of the curses of the law in Deuteronomy. So when we see these Roman armies coming up out of the uh, sea, the abyss again, the bottomless pit, that they are coming uh, against Israel in fulfillment of the curses of Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy says in chapter 28, verse 49, here's the curse given, Book of Revelation, the curse fulfilled because the book of Revelation is God keeping His end of the covenant bargain to keep the words of the law to apostate Israel. The reason, and let me just share this with you. He says, then the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as a swift eagle that flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand a nation of fierce countenance which shall not regard the person of the old nor show favor to the young. I think it's interesting that when Jesus says concerning the destruction of Jerusalem in Matthew 24, he said, said, where Lord? He said, wherever the carcass is, that's where the eagles will be gathered together. He's thinking in terms of this curse of Deuteronomy where he said, he'll bring a nation on you as swift as an eagle. So he's talking about the Roman army that came upon them in fulfillment of the curses Of the book of Deuteronomy. Let me read some more to you. Verse uh, chapter 29, uh, Deuteronomy, verse 14 through 29. Neither will you only do, neither with you only do I make the covenant and this oath. But with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, also with him that is not here with us this day. For you know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nations which you passed by. And you have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone and silver and gold were among them, lest there should be any among you uh, a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and to serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root of Beareth, gall, and Wormwood. You see Wormwood in the book of Revelation. And it came to pass when I heard the words of this curse that, that he blessed himself in his heart and saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart, and after the drunkenness and thirst. That is from fulfillment of what Paul said, when they shall say, peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction. That destruction was about to take place in A.D. 70, shortly after Paul made that, where they're crying. In other words, he's reminding them of the curses that they've agreed to in the book of Deuteronomy he said, the Lord will not spare him, but the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against him, and all the curses that are written in the book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name under heaven. That Hence, that's what he's talking about when he said, whoever's name was not written, they blotted their names out. I'll blot his name out of the book, is that he's talking about, again, the fulfillment of these curses of Deuteronomy. And he said, the Lord shall separate him out under evil, out of all tribes according to the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law so that the generation to come of your children shall rise up after you, and the stranger shall come, and from the far land shall say, when they see these plagues of that land, and sickness which the Lord hath laid upon it, and the whole land thereof uh, brim is brimstone and salt and burning. And you see all of this stuff in the book of Revelation, again, being fulfilled, including the words brimstone, salt, and burning. It's talking about the destruction of a city. And it is not sown, nor beareth nor any grass, nor growth. there. And it's like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboam, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. Even all nations shall say, Why? Wherefore hath the Lord done this unto the land, What meaneth the heat of this anger? Then the men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, their fathers, which He made to them, which He brought forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, whom they knew not, and whom He had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book." And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and wrath and in great indignation, and cast them into another land as it is this day. The secret things belong to the Lord, and the things which are revealed belong unto us who are the children forever, that we may do all the works of this law. So all the things that are happening in the book of Revelation are the fulfillment of the curses that God gave in the book of Deuteronomy. And let me just show you this, because in Deuteronomy 31, I know I'm being fast here. But God speaks to Moses and said, you're about to die. And he said, uh, the Lord said, this is 31, Deuteronomy 31:16.' And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. And this people will rise up and go whoring after other gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils will, troubles will fall them, and they will say in that day, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us, and I will surely hide my face in that day for the evils which shall be wrought among them, and because they turn to other gods. And therefore, write this song, and teach it to the children of Israel, put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that flows with milk and honey, and they shall eat and fill themselves, and wax and fat, then they shall turn to other gods and serve them, and provoke them to me. And it shall come to pass that when these evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of their mouths or of their seed. Now I want you to see that Revelation chapter 15, when he starts talking about I'm going to give them, in them, uh, these are the last plagues Revelation 15, 1 through 3 says, and I Saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels having seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fine them had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, the mark, the number of his name. And they sang the song of Moses, and the song of the Lamb, saying, "Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God. For th- trust in you are thy ways. For th- thou King of saints." In other words, he's declaring to them in the Book of Revelation. Everything that I told you is the fulfillment of the curses of this law, because I told Moses to teach them this song. And when you teach them this song, it's going to be a reminder of the curses of the covenant. And in Revelation 15, they're the last plagues, in them is filled up the wrath of God, and he is singing the song of Moses, saying this is the end, that's why it's the last plagues, it's because it's God keeping His end of the covenant bargain, and Israel is about to be removed, the Gentiles are about to be brought in, and now the Romans have come up out of the sea, the abyss, to destroy all that's there, so that all that is left now is a salvation, as they sing the song of the Lamb. We are out of time And so I don't really have time to tell you, but if you'd like to give to the ministry, just go to this link, and there's a place where you can give via credit card or through our PayPal portal. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am.